Okay. Well, if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 1. The last few weeks we've been really focusing, and I'm almost afraid to move since some of you I know noticed me almost trip down the stairs earlier. Um, I heard a chuckle. I'm not going to name names, but I think I know who was chuckling. But the, um, you know, I the last few weeks we've been focusing on specifically on unity and mission, and last week we looked at Second Timothy two two and and Paul's admonition to Timothy of of not only taking everything that Paul had had taught him and all of his words and his life and passing that on to other uh, faithful workers. Um, we're going to bridge back to Mission 119 today, but it seemed as I was looking at where we're at, and some of you may, if you've been doing Mission 119 readings, um, you may not be there at this point. If you, if Some of you have either just read Joshua 1 uh, or it's coming up. Uh, if you're behind, just know, don't give up. Just keep the pace of whatever you're doing. Um, it's With it only being five days a week, it's not hard to get caught up if you do a couple a day um, and even go through the weekends. But... Uh, and if you're wondering what Mission 119 is, the information is on our church website. You can still download the app. Uh, it's really just an intentional um, process of walking through God's Word. Uh, it takes about a year and a half to go through all of it. And uh, we, there's about 10 minutes of Bible reading, listening to the scriptures or reading it, and then about a 10, min- 10 to 12 minutes of, of teaching from Reverend John Soper, retired pastor in the Alliance. Uh, definitely, if you haven't signed up, it's not too late, but... Uh, but, you know, as I was thinking about what we looked at last week with Timothy and that idea of passing on a spiritual legacy, um, it seemed appropriate that we look at John 1 because this is Moses passing on the torch and Joshua having to step in to lead God's people. You know, we, we joke about people when they follow another leader having big shoes to fill. Can you imagine <laughs> any bigger shoes to fill than what Joshua had to do in, in, in following Moses and leading God's people. Um, it's, it's fascinating when you look at Joshua's life, and that's what we're going to do today, is, is really just think about what it was like for Joshua to have to step out into this, into this place where he was going to have to trust God to be with him, he was going to have to trust God to strengthen him, and to do what he's called him to do. And, and before we do that, I, I just want you to think in your own life, are, are there, can you think of a time in your life that you sense God nudging you to do something specific. We know, we know all of us are called to follow Christ, to go deep in our relationship with him, to walk with him, and, and that we're to go and live as witnesses. And, and God empowers us to do that. But then God also gives us specific tasks. He'll speak to us. He gives us that nudging, that still small voice speaks to us and, and will tell us to do something that, that we need to be faithful with. And in those moments, sometimes it's a stretch, Often, I, I, I find that it's in those moments where you have hesitation that that's a test of faith to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust him to give me the strength and the resources to do what he's calling me to do. As I look back at my own life and ministry, I've, I think back to God prompting me to talk to a teenager that I didn't know. It was, I think I've shared the story that was out waiting at the bus stop and my first day in the office in my youth, first youth ministry. And, and it wasn't until a year or so later that I realized that, that my following through and that prompting um, actually did have an impact on, on that young man coming and being a part of our youth group and, and eventually giving his life to Jesus. Uh, I was scared. I, was, I mean, I'm there. I have a seminary degree, and I'm scared to go across the street and go talk with this kid. 
I think of, of other times of sharing my faith, and, and some of you have those times where maybe God was prompting you to share your, your story or to serve or to do something specific, and, and, and you had to choose to say, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to trust his strength to do it. Over the years, as I've worked as a chaplain in crisis situations, there have been a couple times where I had a general idea of what I was getting ready to walk into, and the thought went through my mind, like, why am I doing this? Like, uh, and, and God really just showed up in those moments and, and allowed me to be able to minister to people at some of the darkest times in their life. Uh, you know, whatever it is God calls us to do, whether it's something specific or whether it's the general call to follow Jesus and make Christ known in the world, living as a witness for him, Joshua gives us an example of someone who stepped out in obedience and was called consistently. We're going to look at this, how many times we see the words, be, be strong and courageous. He's reminded of the fact that he doesn't have to rely on his own strength, but he can be strengthened by God to do what God calls him to do. And, and this, I want us to just look at Joshua today. Uh, we're going to be looking at Joshua 1, verses 1 through 9, and, and just reflect on his example of how when God nudges us to do something, or, God, or just living out the life that God has called us to live, that we can trust God to strengthen us, to do what he's called us to do. But I want you to think for a second. If you've been walking through Mission 119 or you've read through the Old Testament before, you know that this is not the first time we've seen Joshua. Joshua, if we were walking through Numbers or Exodus, we know that Joshua was Moses' assistant. In a, in a very real way, he was getting room for this leadership role. Uh, and, and, and I just want to think about some of the things we've seen. If you've, if you've walked through everything else that we've read so far up to getting to the book of Joshua, we've seen not only Joshua introduced as Moses' assistant, but, but think about everything that Joshua saw. Joshua would have seen all the miracles, all the incredible things that God did through Moses and through God's people and in, in leading his people. But Joshua also got to see the impact of Moses leading a people that were grumbling, that were complaining, wanting to go back to Egypt. Imagine, imagine what that was like for Joshua, knowing someday I may have to follow him and deal with this type of stress, uh, deal with this stress of trying to lead a people that are not easy to lead. Joshua was a witness to all of that. He would have seen Moses' struggles of leadership. He would have seen everything that he was, that all the good and the bad and all the, the ways that God moved in power as well as the struggles that Moses and God's people experienced. We know that Moses, or that Joshua accompanied Moses part of the way up Mount Sinai when, when Moses was receiving the Ten Commandments. We know that, that Joshua assisted Moses when Moses would go into the tent of meeting where God, it describes in, in Exodus 33, it describes Moses' as meeting with God as a friend, would meet, or that God met with Moses as a friend in those moments. Joshua witnessed that. He saw the, the importance of God's presence and, and the intimate relationship that Moses had with God. Probably most significantly, we know that, that Joshua was one of the 12 spies sent into the promised land and was only one of the two, it was one of the two that actually gave a good report. 
Remember the other 10, instead of focusing on the goodness of the land, they focused on all the challenges. They focused on all the obstacles. But Joshua and Caleb trusted God and challenged the people to look beyond the obstacles, to trust God for victory, and to enter into the promised land. That act of faith was rewarded in the fact that Joshua and Caleb were the only two of that group that would eventually enter into the promised land after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. We also see in Deuteronomy 31 a public ceremony where where God speaks to Moses and, and publicly commissions Joshua to be his replacement, that, 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 that he will be in line to follow him. We see in, in Deuteronomy 31 these words in verses 1 through 3. It says, So Moses continued to speak these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, You shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispose, dispossess them. And Joshua will go over as your, or at your head as the Lord has spoken. This is Moses speaking God's word to the people. He goes on in verse 7. Uh, it says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. You, or he will be with you, and, and he will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. That was a really long introduction, but I wanted to set up who, we've seen Joshua. We've seen Joshua being prepared for this moment. And so this leads us to verses 1 through 9 of Joshua 1. Now Joshua assumes the mantle of leadership. Verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all of the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The primary command that is given to Joshua, the task is given. He's going to lead the people into the promised land, but the, the, the primary command that's repeated multiple times is be strong 
and courageous. Joshua 1.6 says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Joshua is being challenged in these words, and in the reality, if you look at the root of these words, they're very similar. In the actual Hebrew words, they're very similar, but they have a slightly different meaning that is expressed by the words, be strong and courageous. The, The first word talks about becoming strong or powerful. It's being strengthened, and there's a sense in which it's receiving strength that is beyond normal. Beyond what that person already has, it, it, they're, they're receiving a, a, a supernatural strength. Be courageous is, is talking about being able to face and deal with danger or fear without flinching. Being able to f- face and deal with danger or fear without flinching. It's, it's not only being strengthened to be able to do what God is calling us to do, but, but then to be able to face a difficult circumstance, to face a challenge, and do it with courage, without fear, or without, or without flinching. It's not an issue that we, we, we would not have concern or that it would be easy, but that in the midst of the challenge, we're going to trust God to give us the strength, and we're going to be courageous, and we're going to act Verse 9, Joshua 1, 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, just looking at Joshua 1, 1 through 9, we see that anytime something's repeated, it's usually significant. So the command is listed in verse verse 6 and repeated again in verse 9. Be strong and courageous. And, and it's connected with this, this additional statement in verse 9, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That, that challenge of, of being bold, being strong and courageous is connected to that idea of I don't need to be frightened. I don't need to be, live in dismay and I can do that because God is with us. That, that is at the heart of this challenge of being strong and courageous. And, and the reality is, is this is not just something that's repeated in these two verses. If we go back, I mentioned Deuteronomy 31. We read this a moment ago. Deuteronomy 31, 7, in, in, in God's commissioning of Joshua to follow Moses and this public commissioning, the same words were there. Be strong and courageous as well as the warning of, of not fear, do not fear and do not be dismayed. We have the verse in verse 6 and 7 that we just read, be strong and courageous. In verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. And then verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And if you keep reading beyond verse 9, we see a, a ceremony between, between God and, and Joshua and the people. And the people call back and, and, and say to Joshua, and they're, and they're pledging their, their willingness to, to, to follow and to do what God is calling them to do and to follow Joshua's leadership. The people look at Joshua and say, only be strong and courageous. So even from the response of the people, they, they get this. Joshua, in this role, is going to have to be strong. He's going to have to be courageous. He's going to have to trust God to give him the strength and for God to be present with him to do what God has called him to do. 
and they recognize the critical nature of that and in, in, in their willingness to follow. When we look at this and we, we think about that idea of how are we strengthened? How, what actually is going on and, and what can we see in these verses that would give us a greater sense of how we can be strengthened and how we can have courage to do what God calls us to do? One of the first things I see in these verses is that there's the theme of promise. It's, it's not trusting. Joshua isn't trusting his own ability. He's not trusting his own strength. He's not trusting his own intelligence. He's trusting God to fulfill his promises. This, this is the same thing that we saw with Joshua and Caleb. When they came back after spying out the land, and instead of looking at all the obstacles, they remembered God's promise, that God was giving them the land, and they were ready to go in. And yet, Joshua and Caleb were the only two that stood up and were, that were ready. Joshua consistently shows that he trusts God's promise. And, and let's look at verses 2 through 4 again. It says, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. This is God's word to Joshua. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that, I'm, that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. You know, it's interesting, Over the uh, sometimes theologians will argue about how much God is working and how much we have a responsibility. And what you see in these words and this, this idea of trusting God's promises is God is sovereignly giving Israel this land. You have the statement that God is saying, the land I am giving you. It's God acting. God is sovereignly giving this promised land to his people. But you also see that the people have to then act in obedience. And, and, and so they're told to arise, go over the Jordan. The people have to choose. Joshua has to choose to, to cross the Jordan, to lead the people. And, and he's told that every place that the sole of your foot will tread, it, it, it gives us a picture of not only God sovereignly giving them the promised land, but now Joshua and the people having to walk in obedience to say, I'm going to step out, I'm going to trust God, and I'm going to walk in obedience and claim the promise. That promise is a, is a continuation of the promise that goes clear back to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Remember God told Abraham, he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was the beginning of the nation of Israel. And it was the beginning of God's people trusting God to fulfill his promise to his people. And Joshua understood that. And if you keep reading through the book of Joshua, you're going to get to chapter 21, verse 45, which is a summary statement of God being faithful to his promises. He says, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. You know, when God calls us to do something, we can, we can trust him. As was mentioned in the testimonies today, even when we're faithless, 
are struggling with faith, we know that God is always faithful. We know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We know that God will give us the strength to do anything he calls us to do. We can trust his promises. And in the same way that we see Joshua trusting his promises, we can choose to trust God to be faithful and to fulfill his promise in our lives. There's a second theme that is critical in this, and and it's the issue of obedience. Not only did Joshua trust the promise, but you see Joshua is, is in, in God's word to him, is, is being reminded of the critical nature of obedience. Look at verses 7 and 8. What's interesting here is in conjunction, in, in relation to the issue of obedience, it not only repeats the phrase, be strong and courageous, but it even heightens it. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it all day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." This call to obedience is being, being told that you have to be strong and courageous to then walk in obedience, to be careful to, to walk in obedience, to follow God's word in his law. Think for a moment again. We started out by talking about all the things Joshua witnessed. Probably one of the hardest things that Joshua would have had to have witnessed, I believe, would have been watching Moses act in a way that in departing from God's specific instruction to him that caused Moses to not be able to enter into the promised land. As as someone who's given most of my adult life to serving the Lord in ministry, that's that's a story I struggle with. You see all that Moses had done. Remember, Moses had done something very similar. In Exodus 17, you, you see Moses was... The people were thirsty, and, and they're calling for Moses. And, and Moses, God gives instructions to Moses, and Moses follows God's instruction. In, in Exodus seventeen six, it says, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And so Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. God gave Moses instructions. You need to go. You're going to strike the rock, and water's going to flow, and the thirst of the people will be satisfied. Years later, something very similar happens. The people are are coming to him. They're thirsty. They're requesting water. This time, God gives Moses something slightly different, some slightly different instruction. And instead of following the specific instruction that God gives him, we see Moses goes in a different direction. He's told, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak, speak. To that rock before their eyes and open it, and I will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So what's the word the second time? Is he supposed to strike the rock or speak to the rock? Speak to the rock. It says, but so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? 
Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Now, Moses was told this time not to strike the rock, but to speak to the rock. And, and I have to wonder how much this is, Moses is at the boiling point. He can't handle, you can see the frustration, uh, the rebellion of the people, and the grumbling of the people. And so as a leader, I can look at it and make all sorts of reasons for why Moses departed from what God told him to do. Could be that he was just trusting tradition and do what God had done before rather than being obedient to what God was telling him in that moment. But the reality is, is there's significant consequence for Moses. Moses is given a glimpse of the promised land and, and he knows that he's been faithful. God gives him an eventual glimpse to see the promised land and know that Joshua is going to lead the people. But Moses doesn't get to enter and it's because of that act of disobedience. So Joshua, I believe, has a very strong image in his mind of just how critical it is for him to be faithful. And so for God to speak to Joshua in those words and say only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Don't turn to the, from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. That, that challenge of, of, not let, of, of following God's word, no matter what, the ta- no matter what God speaks to us, is, is critical in walking in obedience. If we're going to ha- be strong and courageous and do what God calls us to do, we have to embrace the issue of obedience in our life. We see in that the most important part of obedience is knowing God's word. And in those words that we just read, it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You need to meditate it on it day and night. We see that throughout the whole uh, book of the Psalms, and we see it in Proverbs of not swaying to the right or the left, but to walk in obedience and walk in the path that God sets for us. We need to know God's word. We need to reflect and meditate on God's word, memorize God's word, know his word so that we walk in obedience and live according to his word. We need to be careful to do, Joshua's told, be careful. This is in there twice. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And with this act of obedience, this, this intentional obedience, we see that there comes a promise. There comes the promise that you will have a good success wherever you go. Therefore, then it will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. Now, I, without getting too deep into a reaction to what I would call a prosperity gospel, that we see some preachers that are on TV will say, well, look, if you follow, God's going to bless you. If you send in this money, you're gonna get, God's going to give you that new car or whatever. Anyways, it's the, you've, you've seen those guys. You've seen those, those preachers that... It's less about God and his kingdom and more about an individual's kingdom. These verses and these promises, we see these promises throughout the scripture of of being to prosper and to find success. It's important that we always understand that that's always in relationship to following God and doing the work that God has called us to do. It's not about our kingdoms. It's not about our life. It's about the kingdom, about what God is doing in this world. That will keep us from getting off track to where we see people thinking, well, if I follow, if I, got, if I do this, God's going to bless me and he's going to give me everything I want. That, I've never understood how prosperity preachers can read the New Testament, read Jesus' words about laying down your life and about embracing your cross 
dying to self. It, it, it never aligns with that. But we, in, in, in looking at those correctives, we need to also remember, though, that God has told us that if we walk in obedience, if we do the things he calls us to do, we can trust that he will give us success. He will prosper us in our spiritual life. He will prosper us and use us to be an effective witness and tool for him in this world. And all of this, he does that by the third theme. Not only do we have the issue of promise, the issue of obedience, but we see the issue of God's presence. The issue of God's presence is seen again in verse 5. No man, this is God's word to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as it was written with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Remember Moses in Exodus 33, we looked at that passage uh, months ago. Moses pleaded with God. In Exodus 33, verse 15, he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses understood the importance of God's presence in his life and among his people. And Joshua witnessed that. Joshua understood the significance of of Moses meeting in the tent of meeting and meeting face to face with God and knowing God's presence in his life and the life of his people. In verse 9, Joshua 1, 9 again says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We can be strong, we can be courageous, we don't have to be fearful or be dismayed because the Lord our God will go with us. We can trust in his presence. If God calls us and sends us out, He doesn't send us out alone. He calls us, he equips us, he gives us everything we need to do what he calls us to do. And the reality is, if we go to the Great Commission, we've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks looking at the Great Commission, we see in the Great Commission the the reminder that God not only gives us a task of going and making disciples in an Acts 1-8 of being a witness for him, but he promises his presence. Remember, in, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, And go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're given the task of the Great Commission of going and making disciples in this world But Jesus, in in verse 18, it says that he has all authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He then sends the disciples out, which includes you and me, and then he promises to go with us. In Acts 1.8, we see that through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us so that we can be empowered to be a witness for Christ. Again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. When we surrender our lives and, and we experience the fullness of God's spirit in our life, it's, it's God's presence with us, empowering us to be a witness for him. I don't know what God is calling you to do. I know God is calling all of us to be a witness for Christ, to go deep in our walk with him, to spend time with him each day, walking in obedience, trusting his promises as we've sung about this morning, being a blessing to others. But we also know 
that for us to embrace that general call that every one of us has, there's also a specific role, specific things that God will do and tell us to do each day. You know, one of the things I found in my life that if I pray for opportunities to demonstrate God's love, if I start my day and say, God, give me an opportunity to love someone for you today, give me an opportunity to, to speak a word of hope or comfort to someone today, when we make ourselves available to God, he, the God's Spirit will speak to you and give you specific nudges and things that he wants us to do. And, and we have to, in that moment, choose to be obedient, to trust him. And we can trust that he will strengthen us. He will empower us. He will give us the courage to do what he calls us to do. I want to leave you with two words, because this, this theme, we could, we could spend hours just going over similar themes in the scripture. The two verses that I thought would be good to leave you with, just a reminder, whatever it is God is nudging you, calling you to do today, is to remember the words of the psalmist in Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. In Ephesians 6.10, Paul, in Paul's final words to the church in Ephesus, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. God wants us to come to a point where we don't trust our own strength, our own resources. That's typically what keeps us from walking and stepping out and trusting God. We're looking at all the things that we can and can't do. We're looking at all of our resources and we think, well, I just can't do that. I firmly believe it's in those moments that we really allow God to do something special through us. Because when we realize we don't have enough, we, it's not about how good we are, how strong we are, how good we might be at speaking the truth, or, or how kind or compassionate or whatever our traits are. It's just taking whatever we are, whoever we are, surrendering our lives to God and letting him use us. And know that he will strengthen us. He'll give us the courage to do what he calls us to do. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the reminder, Lord, that, that you call us. When you call us, Lord, you, you equip us. And Lord, in the same way, Joshua, in given such an incredible task of following Moses and leading your people into the promised land, Lord, we see him demonstrate just through his life the what it means to be strong, to be strengthened by you, to be courageous, to trust your promises, to walk in obedience, and to trust that you're going to be with him. Lord, help us do that in our lives. Help us in the life of our church. Lord, help us to trust that you're going to be with us and that you're going to strengthen us. You're going to give us all that we need to do what you call us to do, personally and as a church. We just pray, Lord, that we would be people who live out that type of faith. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.